Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode 21. The MBTI and RPG Alignments, Part 1. I want to stick with the whole Myers-Briggs type indicator system and Jungian type for another round of episodes. I thought at first it would be one, and then when I got to outlining, realized, no, the information cannot really fit into one episode, at least not (laughs) with a reasonable um, level of cognitive load for the listener. So it's going to be two episodes. Um, But this is where I am going to introduce the specific cognitive functions and how they really act in the world. So what do these aspects of consciousness look like? What are their, what are they used for? What do they do? And, you know, what do they do for us as individual humans, and as part of the whole ecosystem of human community. So yeah, there's just there was really no way to make it not complicated. But I thought it might be fun to pull in a model that we're already using as a starting point, or maybe a point of comparison. It isn't any less complex to do this, but it might possibly make it a little easier to understand because it gives you something to hold on to that at least if you've been listening to all of the episodes till now, you're already familiar with. So I'm going to show you where there are correlations between the Jungian functions and or the Myers-Briggs types and my nine square RPG personal growth alignment chart. I will review that chart very quickly. There are three rows and three columns. It makes a total of nine squares. The rows represent how you can move up and down in relation to growth. Uh, From the bottom, they are avoiding, allowing, and seeking. Basically, it's a measure of how open you are to growth at this particular time in this particular area of your life or even overall in your life. Are you avoiding growing or, you know, resisting it? Or are you allowing growing, letting it happen, but maybe not focusing on it or trying for it? Or are you really seeking it, like deliberately disrupting your life in a way to expand and promote changes? So those are kind of our growth levels, or you could think of them maybe as developmental levels. Then the columns are how you tend to approach growth and change, whatever your level of openness to it. In this chart, you either have a controlling and envisioning or a chaotic relationship to growth. I'm starting to call the chaotic emerging. I think that is maybe um, maybe a slightly kinder term. I personally like the chaotic because it is one of the only parts of this based in the actual, you know, RPG moral alignments. But uh, to be fair, maybe it is a better word to say emerging. So what do these mean? Well, if you're controlling, you're really seeking to direct your growth to a specific place, probably via a specific path or technique. 
if you're envisioning, you tend to have more of a general destination, but not necessarily a clear path to get there. Or maybe you don't have like a specific idea or form that what you want can take, like it could take multiple forms. And so you know the direction, but not the exact address. Or if you have that emerging style, you're going to be more open ended in a desire to simply flow in the directions that life takes you rather than trying to navigate somewhere specific. So I did not build that growth alignment chart with the MBTI in mind, but there are some correlations. And I think this happens because both of them describe ways humans can approach the world and approach life. If both models have any accuracy to life, then almost by default, they're going to have some parallels somewhere. Before we get into the functions themselves, I want to emphasize that the growth level is a measure of your developmental stage and your now moment emotional context. That is not related to any type or any function because all personality types and all of the cognitive functions have modes of acting that reject growth. Growth avoidance is a defensive place. It's a place of hurt or fear. And sometimes those are necessary and legitimate signals to heed. Like you need the time to heal. You need that safe cocoon of familiarity. And then sometimes you are kind of clinging to something that you don't really need anymore and would be better served by setting it down. So there are no types and no functions that are more likely to be in a growth rejecting state or a growth embracing state. The correlations lie in the columns the how we go about growing (laughs) or not growing. Again, this is whether we pursue growth in a controlling way, an envisioning way, or an emerging way. So let's talk about the cognitive functions. Again, this goes back to the work of Carl Jung. It's chapter 10 in his book, Psychological Types, and he posited eight cognitive functions. He separated them broadly into processes of perceiving the world and evaluating the world, what we might call learning or judging or learning or decision making. Broadly speaking, everybody has a preferred way of perceiving or learning and a preferred way of judging or making decisions. And both of those are going to have an impact on which column you're likeliest to inhabit on that growth alignment chart. It felt a little bit too much to talk about all of the perceiving functions and all of the judging functions in one episode. So today we're going to focus on the perceiving functions and their correlations to the growth chart. Next time we'll talk about the judging functions and their correlations to the growth chart. So ideally, you'll listen to both episodes, and by the end of the second one, you'll have at least some sense of all eight functions and what they do, and maybe some good questions to ask yourself about your relationship to growth and which of the columns you might be most likely to fit into, and which one might be a good stretch for you if you want to try and shift your mode of operating. Okay, so perceiving functions. As the category name suggests, this relates to how we perceive the world, aka how we learn. 
This is our first filter of understanding. It tells us what we see when we look at a scene or a situation. Like what information is our brain putting first into our conscious awareness as relevant. There are two general types of perceiving, sensing and intuiting. Sensing is going to be experiencing. It's oriented to the physical senses, to the tangible. Intuiting is going to be more abstract. It's looking at patterns and connections, meanings and theories, intangible but nonetheless extant qualities. Now, within these two broad categories of perceiving, there are two ways that each can be used, turned inward or outward, or what we might term introverted, pointed into the internal experience, or extroverted, pointed into the external experience. So altogether, we end up with four perceiving functions. Introverted sensing, extroverted sensing. Introverted intuiting, extroverted intuiting. So let me describe the sensing functions first, and then we'll get into the intuiting functions. Extroverted sensing is all about the here and now. It is our physical body senses interacting with the world, our exteroceptive senses. One of the phrases I like for this function is dynamic mastery of the environment. There's really an orientation to having a hands-on solution, real-time manipulation of the environment and tools. Introverted sensing, in contrast, is very precedent-focused, and thus it automatically compares past experiences or what is already known with the present moment. There's a deep attunement to the internal body memory or response, what we might think of as interoception. Introverted sensing really values stability or maintenance of the current environment rather than necessarily trying to manipulate it for change or uh, problem solving. And for solutions to problems, it really looks to procedures or what has worked before as a first point of reference. So let's compare these two modes of using sensing to learn with our growth chart. Introverted sensing is all about stabilizing, maintaining, replicating, and perpetuating. That correlates to the controlling column. That's going to be that left-hand side. Introverted sensing knows what works, and it wants to keep it going. Even in a growth-seeking level of development, introverted sensing is going to be grounded in a certainty of its process and its procedures. Again, it's trying to maintain and replicate what already exists or what has been. So it has a very clear vision and a very clear goal and a very clear way to get there. And that is just an embodiment of the controlling mode of being. In contrast, extroverted sensing is really focused on responding, performing, improvising, and devising. It is a very practical and grounded results-oriented process on the one hand, but it is also very open to meeting each and every moment where it is. 
extroverted sensing energy is kind of a tennis hop, this, you know, shifting back and forth from one foot to the other in a perpetual readiness to kind of shift on a moment's notice, depending on what challenge comes next. It needs a level of unpredictability in order to shine. So conditions like performance arts and first responders that offer infinite variability within a broadly known context or environment are really going to be good places for extroverted sensing to operate. Extroverted sensing can also have a bit of a quality that's like accidentally F around and find out because it will solve this moment's problem and not worry about next moment's problem. And so sometimes it's a solution that's one and done. And sometimes it's like this endless string of, oh, that opened up a whole nother problem, a whole new can of worms to solve again and again and again. And it's not that it's necessarily trying to do that. That's just kind of a side effect of that real-time focus. All right, so extroverted sensing, where does this, where does this go? It's going to correlate mostly to that chaotic emerging column on the right-hand side of the chart. It might know the arena that it wants to work in, which, you know, can maybe shift it a little bit towards the envisioning, but typically it just wants to meet life where it is and allow itself to be pulled by the, by the currents. So, so it's definitely more, I think, in, in the emerging column. So these, I think you can see, represent two very different modes of being. Like they're both sensing-based learning and they both have a temporal, like a time orientation of past and present. There's a, a groundedness in the body and the senses and a strong need for practical application and results. But yet they inhabit, you know, these two opposite columns, one on that left hand controlling and the other on that right hand emerging. Okay, so now let's look at the other half of the perceiving functions, the intuiting functions. Introverted intuiting looks at what will inevitably happen if we stay on the current trajectory. It's future focused in a sense that's less about potentiality or possibilities and more about the arc of inevitability or probabilities. It very easily maintains a meta perspective of parts to whole awareness on both projects and experiences, including life itself. There's often attention paid to metacognition. This is thinking about how you think, maybe having access to subconscious or unconscious emotional motivations that other people aren't normally so aware of. There's high pattern recognition from very subtle cues and an ability to slip outside of its own perspective in order to see a situation from many angles. It is a convergent function. It has this orientation to the world that everything is connected and everything can be explained. So it wants to kind of reveal those hidden connections between things to make the unseen but real connections more visible to everyone. And from the outside, especially if you're not someone who uses introverted intuiting strongly, it can seem like frighteningly perceptive or maybe even psychic in its ability to either 
read subtle cues and get a lot of information from them or accurately project what is going to happen. And by the way, introverted intuiting is my dominant function. So <laughs> uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll own that right now. In contrast, extroverted intuiting is innovative, exploratory, and kind of inherently uncertain. It's, in my opinion, the most speculative and least grounded of all the functions, especially all of the learning functions. It looks at what could arise, what could be built from what currently is. How can these elements in this moment be rearranged or recombined? What happens if we add that thing from over there to this thing right in front of us, or compare them, or put them next to each other? It's very divergent in, in that it seeks to explore all of the potential pathways from one starting point. And it's a creative function. It seeks to make a new path or a new future. Extroverted intuiting can sometimes appear frustrating or ungrounded to others because they see it as being very disruptive or impractical. It certainly rejects being bound by what is realistic or what we currently think of as possible. I think the statement, just because it's impossible doesn't mean it's not worth considering, would be one that really sums up extroverted intuiting well. Going back to the F around and find out idea, extroverted intuiting is the one that does that deliberately. Like they want, they're choosing to F around so that they can find out as opposed to like extroverted sensing stumbling onto that by accident. Your mileage may vary as to which one is the more reckless of the two. <laughs> so let's compare these two intuiting modes to our growth chart. I should hope that it was obvious from the description that extroverted intuiting is all the way on the chaos emerging edge. Like, how can you pre-pick a path when the only way to know what is possible is to experiment and see what emerges? Why would you limit yourself to what you can see or even imagine? Extroverted intuiting has this love for novelty and for the creation of something that has never been done before, for building something out of the chaos of the now moment. Randomness and innovation are very typical expressions of this function that other people see. So this is probably even more the opposite energy of introverted sensing on that left-hand controlling edge than extroverted sensing. Like extroverted sensing maybe could slip into the envisioning sometimes, but extroverted intuiting, no, that is just <laughs> all the way at that outer edge of chaos. So then what about introverted intuiting? Where is that function going to fit? Like extroverted sensing, introverted intuiting has, I think, a home base, but it can also lean toward one of the other columns. Typically, introverted intuiting is going to inhabit that middle column of envisioning. Maybe if it is very certain of its synthesis understanding, or if it really has a ton of information about the current trajectory and likes what it sees, it might end up moving over into that controlling column, but typically um, it's going to be in the envisioning because it has a capacity to accurately project an arc of inevitability. So that means that it can see when it needs to make a course correction if it doesn't like the outcome. And sometimes that can happen 
after it has started down a pathway toward a place it thought it wanted to go. And that meta-narrative awareness can help it see where in the story it is at any given moment. So it's unlikely to give up too soon or change course at the wrong moment or be tempted, you know, by a current flowing in a different direction, the way maybe someone on that more emerging side could be kind of pulled off course. So it has that capacity to both make corrections and hold steady, just sort of depending on the context. And there's also kind of a spiritual or what we might call woo side element where introverted intuiting can just sort of feel energy currents. And sometimes it has knowledge or what feels like knowledge just kind of pop into its head when the person has no physical, tangible access to data points that would confirm that. So it can feel a, a little bit like navigating by second sight to an envisioned destination is just, you know, taking steps on faith because it feels right. And you don't know maybe exactly how you're going to get there, but you let yourself solve each step of the way as it comes. It's not quite so, you know, go with the flowy as Again, the emerging style, but it's definitely not concrete steps or a specific plan the way the controlling style is. So those are the two intuiting modes of learning. Again, they have some commonalities. They are both present to future focused. They both rely on pattern recognition and abstract meaning or maybe abstract principles that transcend any given physical situation. They can both seem kind of ungrounded or impractical in the now moment. And while they're not quite as far apart as the two sensing functions, they definitely inhabit different spaces on our growth alignment chart where introverted intuiting is mostly going to be in the middle, but if it leans toward one side, it's probably leaning toward the controlling side, whereas extroverted intuiting is just always going to be on that emerging chaotic edge. Okay, so those represent our four ways of perceiving. Again, we have introverted sensing. It's a stabilizing function. Extroverted sensing. It's an improvising function. Introverted intuiting. That is a converging function or maybe a revealing function might be a way to think of it. And then extroverted intuiting is an innovating function. So which personality types in the Myers-Briggs system, you know, if we go back to our four-letter codes uh, where we're choosing the dichotomy pairs between introvert, extrovert, intuiting, sensing, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving, which of these personalities are going to line up with these functions? Okay, so we'll go from the left over. If you have strong introverted sensing, if that is your preferred way of, of perceiving, if that's your preferred learning process, you are going to have a type code with an S and a J. Introvert, extrovert doesn't matter. Thinker, feeler doesn't matter. What matters is that S and that J. That's going to tell you that you prefer introverted sensing if that's what type code comes up when you take a test. If you prefer introverted intuiting, this sort of middle space of envisioning, then you're going to have an N and a J. 
Again, introvert, extrovert, thinker, feeler, those don't matter because what we're concerned with is the perceiving function, that N and the J piece. So what about extroverted sensing, extroverted intuiting? Extroverted sensing is going to be type codes that have an S and a P. Extroverted intuiting is going to be N and P. Again, introvert, extrovert, thinker, feeler, don't matter. It's that S and that P. It's that N and that P that matter. So that's where you're going to find your kind of personality type code alignments. Your SJs are on that controlling column most likely. Your NJs are going to be in that envisioning column most likely. Your SPs and your NPs are most likely going to be in that emerging chaotic column. Now, that said, that is if our perceiving function is the only part of us that's guiding our orientation to the growth alignment chart. But as we're going to talk about next week, our judging function also plays a part. So make a point to tune in for the other half of this topic. I'll go through all of the judging functions and correlate them to the chart. And then I will also talk at a more, I guess, macro level of personality type which factors might be more important for any given person. Um, because you can definitely have personalities where one of your functions is putting you in one column, you know, maybe your perceiving function is putting you in one column, but your decision-making function, your judging function is putting you in a different column. What happens? What's the emergent? You know, <laughs> where do you belong, right? So that'll be next week. So where are you seeing yourself? If you don't know your personality type, did this help you maybe get a better sense of how you might like to learn? Or if you were having some confusion about where you really sit on the growth alignment chart, maybe this helped you figure that out a little better to kind of have some slightly more tangible examples of how people might actually behave or might actually be oriented to the world uh, when it comes to this chart. I hope this made a lot of sense and... I will try to get up some visuals on Patreon and maybe also my Instagram for this so that if you need a little more help kind of visualizing this, you'll have it. So thank you for tuning in and for spending this time with me. You can check out more about my work as a coach. I work a lot with personality type and can certainly help you get into alignment with yours if that's something that you think would be beneficial. You can check me out at thepatternbreaker.com. You can follow me on Instagram at The Pattern Breaker. And if you want to check out my Patreon, uh, if you just like the podcast and want to support it, or if you want access to some cool perks, you can check it out at patreon.com slash narrative responsibility. And until next week, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for? 